At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I so remember coming in and just telling you these stories and I must have sounded like a broken record. And you would say, Jerry, if he did anything different, it would be surprising. You got his number. You know how he's going to react. He wants to stay in conflict. You know, and once I was able to manage that, um, it's not that it wasn't difficult. Believe me, it was so difficult. Um, There was light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real-life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Today, I have with me my very dear friend and former client, Jerry Robin. Welcome, Jerry. I feel welcomed. Um, I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here as well. Jerry and I go way back. In fact, Jerry was my first official (laughs) divorce client when I first opened my doors. And uh, Jerry has one of the more um, heart-wrenching and encouraging stories to tell. Jerry has come a long way from when we first met. And so, Jerry, as you know, uh, a lot of the work that we're doing at Journey Beyond right now has to do with uh, working with men and women who are going through a high-conflict divorce. And and I'm curious, how would you describe to to our listeners uh, your divorce? Um, uh, It's uh, interesting. you say high conflict and, um, you know, I didn't have anything else to compare it to. So I just sort of felt like, uh, this was my situation for the duration and it was exponentially the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Um, but I, I didn't know any difference. So I, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have realized even that my, uh, divorce was a high conflict one until I guess I step out of it. Uh, But I have had friends that have said that my divorce was one of the worst divorces they've ever seen. And and to me, it was, 
you know, I thought that was an interesting comment. You know, it was certainly, as I said, the worst to me, but I didn't think that mine was any worse than anybody else's because that's what I had to deal with. Right. And I think that to your point, if you're going through a divorce, there's a lot of conflict. And so regardless of whether or not you consider yourself divorcing someone who's a high conflict personality, we just want to honor the fact that all divorces feel like severe conflict, a lot of conflict. And yet in your situation, Jerry, uh, there were numerous things that um, that made navigating a divorce smoothly more difficult in terms of the way your ex showed up and the impact <laughs> that it had. And tonight, Certainly. there's a lot of things we could talk about in Jerry's divorce, but tonight I really want to focus on your um, your journey with your children uh, right. because that's such a, s- such a, a potent part of it. And so... Can you just share a little bit about those early stages uh, when when you and your ex separated? What what? How many children do you have? What was the situation sure. with your children? Um, you know, uh, I guess to everybody, you know, uh, when they actually decide to get divorced, they could sort of figure that out. But uh, for whatever reason, I. I could not stay in this marriage anymore, and I chose to get a divorce. And um, basically, I upset that apple cart, and um, my children were all quite angry and uh, lost. Uh, The oldest was just going away to college, and uh, the next one um, was, uh, you know, five years younger, and the one after that is three years younger than that. So, you know, they were in the junior high school, high school uh, age. So I guess my youngest was about 10 and the middle one was uh, 13. And And you, you, uh, when you separated, um, you guys physically separated. uh, Physically, yeah. He was, um, uh, he had to be removed from the house because he he did strike me and... um, it, uh, it, it, I wish it could have been handled better for my children, um, but the, the way it was explained to them, not, not by me, by my ex, whatever messages he got through to them, it wasn't a good one. I, I have no idea what he said or what he didn't say, but it, you know, I just, it, there was, the children were not the concern to him. And for you, I believe it was four years um, that you were yeah, living? Yeah, it was four years where he was out of the house and we were working through getting divorced. And um, that was by far the worst situation. Very unsettling. Breathing was difficult. And if um, I, I'm really, you know, such a private person, um, but if there's anything I could say, that could help anybody, you know, uh, that would really make me feel good. It was such a challenging time. And Karen, your coaching uh, was so helpful and beneficial to me because I would just get stuck in this tornado. And my energy level, and you showed me an energy chart, which really resonated with me, was victim. I was such a victim. And I, I couldn't understand it because I, I, I'm a high-achieving person. I feel good about my parenting. I really love myself for 
uh, you know, in general. And I, I found myself in a situation that was impossible. And my energy level was zero. And I think that's how my um, ex-husband was able to uh, work me because he's an extremely angry person. So a little backstory is that um, your, uh, you have your own uh, very successful practice as a dentist in New York City. And you had three boys, and um, and your ex had a very successful, very financially successful business. Is that fair? True. So, so what's so interesting is um, if someone were to just be looking at you and your family from the curb, there was the big, beautiful home. There were the lovely cars. There were these two successful professionals. There were three absolutely handsome young men. Um, but what was going on behind closed doors was, was not so pretty. Yes. He, you know, um, my ex was, uh, an alcoholic and never admitted to it and would never admit it to, And I basically covered that up my whole marriage. I thought that was the way to be. It did not serve me well at all because, you know, then when I said to my children, hey, you know, your dad's an alcoholic and it's just not possible to parent with a a person like that who has just not just his alcoholism, but the lack of a conscience. Yeah. And the lack of care and the lack of concern and um, it was a very, very independent marriage. And I was able to manage everything. I had great housekeepers. I had this great practice. I loved being a mother. And um, my ex really just, he showed up. I, I made all the dinners and he showed up. And I guess as, um, you know, I felt my boys really needed a mentor, that's when it was just so blaringly obvious that, I have to do better. Um, I took him to parenting classes. Uh, There was um, this book, Learning to Talk So Children Will Listen, Listening Mm -hmm. So Children Will Talk. And I took him to the course. And he was a freaking star, you know, a star. But everything was for show. The car was clean. His hair was well-groomed. But he was covering up everything. You know, he, he never finished, really. He finished maybe a year of college. So and this, yeah, it was, it was, it was always that struggle. It was always like a competition that he had with everyone. So during your four years where you guys were separated, because custody is a big part of your story during those four years, and we were coaching through a chunk of that. Um, what, what was dad's, um, what was dad's engagement and interaction and participation with the boys? Uh, Pretty much the way it was during the marriage, just I guess it was a little bit uh, more difficult for him. Um, He uh, never took them. He never took them in four years. He never took them for one night. And this was a great source of upset, uh, very upsetting for me because every weekend the children would have their bags packed and he never came. And my children never, ever blamed him, never held him accountable. And that was such a hard thing to deal with. But as I was told, children are a privilege, not an obligation. 
And there's no way you can say to your spouse, hey, you know, look what's happening. And so, let, let me just, let me clarify what you're saying, because I think that people could misunderstand that. If you are not the primary parent, um, your, your parenting rights are privileged. They're not an obligation. So if, if you're the, uh, the, not the primary parent, you can be awarded 40% custody, but that doesn't mean that, that you have to take it or, or that you'd be penalized for not taking it. So I think that that's what you're saying is and his parenting was right. And, and yet there was something else that happened. So, so you, I remember you telling me that uh, he was very critical of you, but then it also, and so many of our listeners deal with this, which is why I'd like to just have you speak to it. Um, your boys were very critical of you. And, and, the, it, and I remember us talking and coaching around this, that it felt very much like your ex speaking through them, didn't it? A hundred percent. And 100%. And uh, it was just um, tragic. It was such a hard situation. Um, I, I was working as hard as I could, trying as hard as I could. And I just was um, really just, I, I felt like I was totally disrespected, right. you know, and I, there was nothing I could do to fix that situation. Right. You know, you, you helped me during that time and you kept saying, Jerry, it look, took you a long time to break away. Give your children time to break away or to go wherever they want to go. And hopefully they'll want to come towards the healthy parent. And I had to just respect that. I had, that's another thing, acceptance. You have to accept your situation. And, you know, you start this divorce, you think it'll be a month, you think it'll be a year, you think it'll be, you have no idea. You just have to accept it's going to be difficult. Um, and I, I don't want to run to the bottom of the list when things are a celebration, but um, getting through is just your goal. Getting divorced is just your goal because you have no idea you know, the burden of being in that situation where um, it's such a, an unhealthy situation. And not only do you have this ex who just basically, you know, wants to take you out, basically wants to cut you off at your knees, which I, I was told by his own friends he wanted to do. Um, but um, you have what he's saying to the children and they're mimicking him and they're copying him. And I will say there's a big difference uh, having boys than girls um, in a divorce. Um, and I did the best I could, but I had to be very, very patient and I had to have a good foundation and I had to just um, stick to my guns on how a healthy person handles things. I want to I want to invite you to bring back that that subject of energy because obviously you know it's a cornerstone of what we do is we we coach people around what emotional energy they're at and and the victim energy as you described is really like the lowest level that we could be at right. and it's and so many people listening would would really relate to this just feeling like 
after years of being in a dysfunctional marriage where you may have been berated or abused or ignored or got the cold shoulder or got the explosions, whatever it was. And, and, and in your case, there was uh, a decent amount of um, finances and wealth and someone who it, it, in, someone could have very little and still have the exact same emotional experience. So, so the, the thing that in your situation, the wealth did was it, it allowed your ex to do some things that we're going to get to in a few minutes in terms of what happened with your custody, because, because money talks and he had a lot of that to throw around. One of the things that you worked so hard on during that time was shifting out of the victim energy. And can you just talk a little bit about what that coaching around emotional energy did for you, both in your divorce and even afterward? Um, What truly made sense to me was this energy chart. And I felt no energy, totally fatigued, totally victim. And it just didn't make sense to me because I've worked so hard on myself. There's so many things that I like about my life. And I felt like every cell in my body was dying. And then the next level of energy is anger. And that's where my ex was exceptional. And his anger just, it just made everyone in the house nervous. I remember um, walking into my office one day and my oldest son, um, and, and really I have to say, I have really great children, really wonderful children. I never had major issues and I'm thankful for that. Um, my oldest son, he called me up just shivering in his boots. Mom, I missed the school bus. Dad is going to kill me. You know, that's how he felt. That's that's how he felt. And that's so unfair because my son's a good kid. And that does that does not happen. You know, that you know, it shouldn't have been that way. So the way I was able to get stronger with your coaching was um you know, the comments you would say, um, Jerry, how is this thinking helping you? Uh, You're in this tornado. You're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. The energy chart showed me the lowest level is victim. But anger is just one level above it. There are so many other levels above it. And I literally visualized myself jumping over the anger and getting to the acceptance, peace, joy, and not judgment. And there's many, many levels after that. But I never really was able to do well with the anger. Um, it just didn't work for me. I, I just I, I just wasn't good at it. I, I, I don't know. And so I, I see myself jumping over it. Yeah. And so, so many people who are conflict averse, um, think that they they don't spend any time in that level to anger energy but but the truth is the way it shows up in in people who aren't um exploders is uh worry anxiety disappointment frustration so it's all an inner turmoil and to your point um when we step out of conflict energy that level two 
the next level is so valuable because it talks about um, what is my part, my responsibility in this? How can I forgive myself and the other parties or the situation? And the action ends up being, how can I cooperate with what's going on? And you were speaking about acceptance and cooperation is, is a baby step toward acceptance. Instead of being like, this shouldn't be happening. Why is this happening to me? Why is he being that way? It's more like it is happening. He is being that way. What can I do about it? That's productive. That moves me in the direction of my desire rather than further away from it. And that's really so much of what you worked on so well over the time. I agree. I mean, I so remember coming in and just telling you these stories and I must've sounded like a broken record. And you would say, Jerry, if he did anything different, it would be surprising. You got his number, you know how he's gonna react. He wants to stay in conflict. You know, and once I was able to manage that, um, it's not that it wasn't difficult. Believe me, it was so difficult. Um, There was light at the end of the tunnel. And, um, you know, uh, but I did, I felt like I didn't just have my ex. I felt like I had my ex and I had like three mini exes that were just throwing at me his same words. You know, they were having a hard time and and they were having trouble and it was all turned around that it was, you know, my fault, my doing this divorce. And it was, you know, but I did marry him. I take responsibility for that. Um, but I didn't have to be with him. I didn't have to live with him. And um, I, I really, I felt that if I did not leave that marriage, um, uh, they would have been, uh, I would have disintegrated you, you would have been a shell of yourself if you even still here. Yes, and and absolutely. I think that, that the point that you're making about the boys, so many people I, I work with, when a child shows up kind of saying the other spouse's words or accusations, it's easy. It's understandable that we would react to them as if they were our soon-to-be ex, which is incredibly dangerous and can decimate your relationship with your child. And so that was something that you had to face on a regular basis. And, you know, that that your, your boys are not your ex. And just making that shift and, and that what I'm hearing now, that that sensitivity that it took me a lot of years to stand up to him and to make my decisions and to set my boundaries. So it would make sense that these these very young people would need some time and space as well. And I think that was one of your shifts to uh, be more forgiving of how they were showing up. I put much effort, much work into separating my children from my ex. Yes. And... Um, it's it was it was critical and it was it's wonderful you know and it's a good thing and and it's interesting they love him and I I never said anything my my problem my problem I don't know if it's my problem but um I I never bad-mouthed him I really said nothing um I don't know if it was to my detriment or my children's detriment um but I I felt like I wasn't being hurt anyway and what good would it be to have my children, you know, uh, dislike their father? They're going to see what they're going to see in their in their time. Exactly. And, you know, there's enough situations that they could see that they have to make their own decisions. 
Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to divorcerecoverylifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. So fast forward, you were actually in the court system for a lot of years. uh, And when it came right down to it, uh, if I remember correctly, you did have an attorney for the children. Um, Yes. So the whole four years, he never took him one night. And then? Never took his children one night. And then it's um, actually my lawyer um, said we need to get a trial lawyer because he wants to bring this to trial. So at the very, very end of my divorce, I had to hire another attorney. And then during that time, he basically convinced my children and my older child said to me, mom, you know, uh, it was one third my fault. Um, Convinced my children that they should live with him and that he should have custody of the children. So he uh, hired a children's attorney, which I had to pay half for. And um, at that point, my children were, um, you know, much older. And um, the oldest one was uh, 17. Uh, No, the middle one was 17 and the younger one was three years younger. So it really only applied to the two younger children. Uh, But the older one was very, very... um, outspoken that, uh, you know, his father was going to give him a job and employ him. And, and, you know, he was going to go right. There was a vehicle too involved. Well, he promised my middle son, um, if, you know, they would tell the lawyer that they wanted to live with their dad, that the middle son would be getting a car. So, you know, just, yeah, and just to pause and, and let that settle in with our audience. And so here um, you you were legally separated for four years. The boys um, lived under your roof every single night. Dad, Dad didn't take them for any overnights. Uh, you were primarily responsible for them. And yet when you went to court, uh, he was really advocating for full custody. Uh, and in fact, he won, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even like he won. He he won because the children said they wanted him. The children and, said they wanted, and it was literally my youngest child said, Mom, you had us for four years. Now it's Dad's turn. And that was his thinking. And, and there was no was, response I could have to that. Well, he was uh, he was in ninth grade, I believe, when, wasn't he? The, the youngest one was like ninth or... Uh, 10th grade Yeah, when uh, this happened. The oldest yeah. one, uh, the middle one was, uh, he had one year left of high school. The middle one, uh, the older one was, you know, in college, about to graduate. And uh, so it was, it was nothing short of terrible. Yeah. I mean, I can't, even as you're saying it now, even though I was there with you, like the, the impact of that is on one's heart what what was that like for you to 
Yeah, I basically thought that um, I am no longer a parent, mm -hmm. that my children did this, they chose to do this, and you kept saying you have to respect their opinion. You have to accept it. I had to accept it. Um, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. I had to accept it. And um, and you've made some really, yes. really um, difficult and, dare I say, brilliant decisions in that, in, in, in that moment where, all right, I'm not going to have custody. Dad's going to be back in the house. Dad's going to be in charge of these boys. And I remember part of you was really concerned for them and what very, that very experience concerned. would be like. Um, it wasn't that he was back in the house. I was being kicked out of the house and he was moving into the house. And of course we had this big house and, um, you know, uh, I would, I wouldn't be able to afford, you know, um, I, I didn't have that type of money. Um, I, I couldn't afford a, a house like he had and I'd be renting something that wouldn't be half as nice, but those children were going to be on my doorstep. I'd have to get a housekeeper. Um, I'm still working full time and they're not respecting me. Um, I was basically, um, you know, dog do on the bottom of your shoe. That's what I was. And uh, I, I couldn't stay in a Long Island situation like that. Have him drive around, you know, with the fancy cars with a different flavor of the month um, and have my children see this. And it was a situation I felt impossible. And you, you say brilliant. I have to tell you, I made the decision to pick up and, and move out of Long Island and move into the city where my practice was. And I had, you know, healthiness, good things to, to live in Long Island in that environment with my children and feeling extremely alone. You know, uh, he was able to manipulate the teachers into thinking I was a bad parent. Um, other, he would tell me other parents would say, oh, they saw, you know, your youngest walking out of soccer practice without a jacket with a terrible cough. They think you're a bad mother, too. You know, um, I I couldn't get out of it. So I you moved get out into of that the city. Mode. Moved into the city. And, of course, everyone was like, oh, you, everyone, everyone was. But to me, I was jumping off a cliff. Someone was chasing me from behind, and I had to jump off that cliff. I had no other choice in my mind. What do you mean by that? Because I... I, I, I I think I want you to explain what you mean by that, because you um, you made a decision to move towards something. You definitely made a decision to move away from the suburbs. But what were you moving toward? Because there's a there was something very positive in the decision that you made. And jumping off a cliff makes it sound like um, like this kind of desperate Hail Mary. But what were you moving toward in making that decision to go into the city? Okay, so just uh, guide me if I go off focus with this, Karen, because we spent such an incredible learning. I learned so much. But when I say jump off the cliff, basically by my ex doing this with this uh, children's lawyer, I felt like I was no longer a parent. 
we used to talk about that a lot. I felt I was not a parent. And to me, and I, I have not cried, and I haven't cried about this, because I did my share of crying. Um, I love being a mother. It's I, I just respect my children. I love them. I enjoy them. I appreciate them. Um, but basically, um, the situation was you lost that, that I, I lost being a parent. And for me to stay in the city, I felt like I was going to be the freaking housekeeper. Oh, to stay you know, on the I? How could I not let my children in, but yet I'm working, but yet there's no supervision? It would be just like it was before. Children are privileged, not an obligation. And I was I, I just could not allow that to happen. So I moved into the city. I have this wonderful practice in the city. I love doing my dentistry. And um, it wasn't like, oh, gee, happy day. I'm moving into the city. It was I walked the streets. I walked the streets. Um, my youngest son was just besides himself. And he made the comment, Mom, if I ever knew you would do this, you know, I wouldn't have done that. And it was an unfair situation all around because the legal system didn't prepare my children for what if. And nobody asked me what if. I didn't even ask myself what if. I just knew the way things evolved. And it happened in like a very uh, one-month period. That last month in May 2013, he took them and that was three it. weekends in a row. All four years, he never took them. So I'm not sure if I'm getting at the point you wanted me well, to speak to the audience. Yeah, I think that a, a couple of things. One is um, just in terms of how we coach. So one of the things was you were just grieving tremendously because of your love of being a mom day in and day out. And yet the the story that I'm no longer a parent was something we coached around because that wasn't true at all. It was what was true was that you you lost your day in and day out role and you felt so lost. And to say that you literally went into the city and walked the streets was probably exactly what you did because it's you exactly were so what shell shocked. I, I was shell shocked, yeah. but I knew that I had to get out of that right. horrible situation. Right. It was the lesser of two evils for you. There was, there was no getting out of that victim mode. And I want to I want to fast forward yet again. So so you went through a period of time where um, your your older son was still in college or about to graduate. Your two younger sons were in high school years, heading into college, living with dad, which means that the youngest was actually living alone with dad for a couple of years. At what point? And this is really important because I think that. It's so important for our listeners to know that whatever hell you're in the middle of, it's not the end of the story. And don't don't behave every day that this is the end of the story. And so the middle of your story is heart-wrenching. But it wasn't the end of the story, was it? And so could you celebrate for a few minutes and tell our listeners what happened from going from like not seeing them on a daily basis to where you are today? It was a very, um, you know, very slow process. And I just, um, from your coaching and just finding myself again, 
because I did, you know, most of my life, I really am a very, very happy person and uh, high achieving and enjoying life and love being a mom to this just terrible tragedy. So once I got into the city, you know, it was day by day and um, my children were old enough if they wanted to come into the city to see me, they could. Um, and they had to negotiate living with their dad as best they could. Um, uh, he, he was uh, arrested uh, for drunk driving about a year after the divorce uh, for going the wrong way on the Long Island Expressway, intoxicated with his, you know, brand new Maserati. And, um, and that was in the newspaper and uh, on the news. And still my middle son, who by all means is a very bright young man, he basically said um, there was construction and dad got lost. And so it was very clear to me that I should never say anything. Because if he could see this situation and still take it that way, um, he's got to figure it out on his own terms. At that point, I called my lawyer and they said, oh, if you want, you can get custody back. But I already did such wonderful work with you. And I respected their opinion. And I wasn't going to turn around and say, oh, now I'm forcing you to come back and live with me or play with their heads to say you shouldn't be with that type of parent. I wasn't going to do that. I stuck to my guns. One of the great things was, um, uh, one of the things I fought through in the marriage was to keep a summer home, have a summer home. And come hell or high water, my children are in that summer home with me the entire summer. Nice. So what's that say? You know, what does that say? Um, is it just the home? Is it the, the home that I created? Um, I, I feel that it was important to me to create independent children that wouldn't be dependent on a parent like that. Um, you know, love him, but you know, you don't have to be like him, you know, pick whichever uh, qualities that are best in your parents or in other people you see, um, you know, uh, separate myself from the bad yep. and just expose myself to uh, the healthy things, you know, uh, developing my, myself in my career or doing things with my children. And um, it, it's, it was so many chapters ago that uh, it, it's, it's hard to even relive it. Um, but I so did everything I could to minimize him. Right. And I was chatting with you while you were at your beach house just this weekend, right. and um, two of your three boys were there. And from everything right. I could tell, you have a rather beautiful, warm, loving relationship with each of them, don't you? Um, I really do. I do. I don't know what else to say. I do. Um, do you remember being afraid of what that relationship would look like when everything was falling apart? Um, I, I was, I was afraid to speak to my children. I didn't know what to say to them. Everything I said was criticized. Um, you know, uh, uh, my ex told them I'm not a real doctor. Um, I'm a terrible driver. I'm a terrible parent. Um, I don't dress appropriately. Um, I mean, this is what was coming through what he was actually saying to him. I, I do not know, but, um, 
And now? Uh, now, what high, would your boys a, say about you now? I think my boys really like me. They love me, but I think they like me. I think they're proud of me. Um, I, I, I feel good, you know, when they introduce me to their friends. They're always inviting their friends over to the house. You know, we have wonderful, you know, times and... You know, it's not Jerry, to even say it's it's just it's right. It feels good. And I'm grateful every single day. And I think that's that's the message I, I really wanted to hear you relate to our listeners, because when we talk about the emotional energy, uh, you, you began down in that level one victim. But what you're describing is level five, six and seven. You're describing uh, peace, you're describing joy, you're describing this ability to drop judgment and just really enjoy what is. And um, and that's the work that you did. And, uh, and what you're describing now is having post-divorce with those boys. It sounds pretty special. One more thing I wanted to say. I had to work on myself and I had to work on myself so I could give my children a model how they can work on their selves mm -hmm. because he's still their father. And if they get caught up in his anger, you know, how sad would that be? So I really, really did everything for my children, even though I ended up not getting custody of them. Um, I, I, I don't I don't know any other way how to say it or do it, but I divorced him, you know, because I, I felt my children were entitled to better or to at least show them that that's not how you should be as a human being. That That's my message. And um, as we wrap up, what, what uh, final words of wisdom or encouragement would you like to give to those listening in who are in those early stages of, of pain and confusion and fear, what do you want to say to them? You know, having a life, a life coach that, and the way you and I even got together was, it was so um, fortuitous. It really, really helped because I was getting so bogged down. But if you're in that terrible, terrible predicament, um, you know, it's nice to have validation, but you, you can't count on it. Um, the court system is unbelievably challenging. Um, you know, you try and have the compassion and love your children because they're, they're very miserable and you're usually the one that they're going to let it out on. Um, but do everything you can to get divorced, you know, because they, some people like to keep it going. And, um, you know, that becomes their life. But you do everything you can to get divorced because you cannot heal until you get divorced. You know, you're still in the playground with them. Um, and uh, once you get out of the divorce, then you could be the best for yourself and the best for your children. Um, and a therapist once said to us, because I did try marriage counseling, and they said, of course, the best thing is to have this happy marriage. Um, and the second best thing is to be happily divorced. I wouldn't say, I can't speak for him, um, but they said to be in a marriage where there's so much conflict, that's not good for children at all. Yes. 
So, yeah, and, and most of the evidence says that children suffer more um, from conflict than they do from divorce. So, and if you're going to have, and if you're in a high conflict divorce, as you were, um, every opportunity to minimize it, even if it's post-divorce and just not engaging, all of that's better for the kids. And so, Jerry, I... Um, I think that your your story is one of heartbreak and overcoming. Um, and I have the honor of knowing and the privilege of knowing your boys and knowing the relationship you have. And I think for so many parents who feel like you've lost your children, that they're so aligned with the other parent, perhaps the high conflict parent, uh, when you show up as love and when you decide what you're, priorities and your values are and you just stay the course uh we all just want to be loved and so children of all ages will always navigate back to love no matter how much money or other such things are dangling at the end of the day we want to be loved and i think that your boys are an example of uh coming around in exactly that way i'm i'm very thankful very, very thankful. So thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.